so far we've looked at faith with two two sermons on faith, which is just, you know, it's impossible. And hope, looked at hope as an anchor for our soul. Two sermons on that. <laughs> and, and love, which is the greatest of them all, two sermons on that. So seriously, like we're not going to cover everything. But we're going to try, all right? Because I believe... I believe I can preach a message tonight that will cover it all. I know I'm not, I'm not being arrogant. I'm actually, we'll see what, see what happens. But last week, I don't know if you guys remember, but last week we looked at love and um, how love is something that only God and people can do. Okay, so computers can't do it. Churches can't do it. You can do it. Right? So hope for Pakenham is not going to love the people of Pakenham. The people of hope for Pakenham are going to love the people of Pakenham. All right, And we looked at how love covers a multitude of sin. Love covers. Love is without ceasing. We learned about three different words for love in the Greek, which we probably already knew already, but particularly wanted to look at the idea of God's love, which is what we find here in 1 Corinthians 13. If you've got a Bible passage open... Open it up to that. I want you guys to have your own Bibles open and let and read it for yourself because it's uh, you're not here to listen to Ian, you're here to listen to the Holy Spirit, all right, as always. So have that open. Uh, last week we also looked at how um, Jesus took the idea of love. When, when, when someone came up to him and said, what's the most important commandment? He said, this is it. Love God with everything you've got. Love your neighbor as yourself, right? Because that's what the law says in Leviticus. Love your neighbor as yourself. And then what he does, so that's love, who, your neighbor, how, as yourself. Then what Jesus does is in Luke 6, we looked at that last week, at how Jesus then takes it to a whole other level. And he says, love your enemies. How should you love your enemies? He said, pray for them. Bless them. If they ask you for something, give it to them. Give and don't expect it in return. Why? Because that's how your heavenly father loves you and you're his children and children look like their father, right? And then Jesus takes it to a whole nother level. So not only do you love your neighbor as you love yourself, but you love your enemies. And then he says in John 13, a new commandment I give to you, a new commandment. In other words, this is really, really important. I'm God. <laughs> giving a commandment. This is the new commandment. And what was it? Love one another. How? As I have loved you. Like Jesus just takes love to the extreme. Like not, not love one another as you love yourself. Love one another as I have loved you. As Jesus has loved you, you are to love one another. Everyone. As Jesus has loved you. Philippians 2 tells us how Jesus has loved us. He gave himself up for us. He took on the form of a human being. More than that, as a servant. And he didn't just suffer for us. He actually died for us. He gave up his life. And Jesus said, greater love has no one than this that he laid down his life 
for his friends. And then he calls his disciples friends, not servants. We're friends of Jesus. He laid down his life for us. What does that look like for you to lay down your life for someone? Now, I'm not saying go out there and die for somebody, not, not literally, but I think Jesus is calling us to do that, not literally, but, you know, in some way, where to think of others' benefits more than ourselves. Now, that's not to say neglect yourself. That's not what it's saying at all. It's just saying, if, if, if you want to follow Jesus, he's going he's gonna to use you to love others like he loved you. Now, Paul, Paul takes this idea of love and he writes in 1 Corinthians 13 a description of this love. And it's kind of funny because, like, I don't know if Janelle and Ryan are planning this for their wedding, but it's usually, this passage is usually at weddings, Okay. Because the bride and groom need to be reminded what love is. I don't know. I'm not sure. But it's a good thing. The message translation is a really good read of this passage. I like it. But I've got the New Living Translation tonight. And Paul goes on to, to describe what love is. And we kind of miss this because this is 1 Corinthians chapter 13. And so it comes between, obviously, 12 and 14. I did maths. But this... This letter that Paul's writing is to a church that's struggling with spiritual gifts and hierarchy and ego and just people that want to run the show instead of the Holy Spirit running the show. And they're thinking of themselves more than they're thinking of others. And, and Paul's just, you know, he gets to this point at the end of chapter 12 after he's been speaking about spiritual gifts and what's important and whatever, he says these words at the end of chapter 12. He says, So you should earnestly desire the most helpful gifts. The most helpful gifts. Not gifts for yourself. Not gifts to make yourself feel good or look good or behave good or perform well. But helpful gifts. And then he says, but now let me show you a way of life that is best of all. And he goes on to, to describe love. I'm not a gardener, but I love gardening. Who liked gardening here? Anyone likes gardening? Yes, just the two of us. Fantastic. <laughs> Anyone who's scared of gardening? Yeah. I used to be you. I'm not scared anymore. No fear. All right? If it dies, it dies. I don't care. But I've learned something about gardening. You can go buy a plant. We just recently bought a pear tree at a, at a nursery. And this pear tree is um, rootstock. And I've found that when you buy this thing, you can bring it home and not put it in dirt. And it dies. And when you put it in dirt, it lives. I know. I've learned a lot gardening. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Like, it looks like a pear tree, right? It's got leaves on it, you know, and the roots look great. And you can see it. It looks like a pear tree. It smells like a pear tree. It feels like a pear tree. It could probably even have pears on it at that stage. But if it's not in the soil for very long, it's going to die. Now, I'm not comparing love to dirt, but it kind of is like dirt. You see, Paul's writing to a church 
that are, that are all about the outward appearance and they're missing what's really important for, for continual growth, like for continual fruit, is the dirt of love. Like everything that a church is about should be planted in love. Like we could, you know, we started this church, what, five, six years ago? Something like that, right? And as soon as people found out, like other believers around here found out that um, I was a pastor of a church, a new church plant, they would ask me, does it have a youth ministry? Does it have a, does it have a young adults ministry? You know, and I'm just like, oh my goodness, we just started from nothing. But now in hindsight, I wish I had said something to those people. You know what I w- wish I would have said? We don't have a youth ministry, but if you're volunteering, feel free. We don't have a young adults ministry, but if you've got a call in your heart to serve young adults, come right along. Sadly, mm, sadly, there's this, there can be a culture, and I get it, all right, I get it. I've been, I mean, I'd love to be able to just go to a church sometime and just sit and receive, you know. But that's sadly, we, we have this culture sometimes in church where, you know, we need to find a church that meets our needs. We need to find a church that satisfies my, you know, demographic and serves me. And But we forget that we're actually part of the church. Maybe God wants to use us to serve others. And I think that's what love does. Like love, love is an outward focused serving others kind of love. That's what, that's how God loves. That's how God loves. He, he's the first one to volunteer for dying on the cross for us. No one else has ever done that. He said, that needs to happen. Who's going to do it? I'll do it. <laughs> he's the volunteer of volunteers. His love doesn't wait for anyone to, uh, he just initiates. I love it. And I think this is why Paul is writing this, this here in chapter 13. He's plonked this idea in the heads of the Corinthian church. Hang on, guys. Get out of your own self-centered thinking and start thinking the way God thinks. Because I, I believe you could probably look at this passage and instead of putting the word love there, you could possibly put the word God there. And it would still make sense. So let's have a look at it. First off, let's describe it. Love. This love is agape love. It's God's love. First off, it's patient and it's kind. Two things, patience and kindness. It's patient. It waits. It waits. It doesn't push in. It doesn't call the shots. It just waits. And that's what he does. He does this with you and me. He waits. He's waiting. He's been waiting for you and I to turn to him. Remember that, Remember that first day you turned to him? He's been waiting for a long time for that to happen. And he still waits. Love is patient. It waits. It's kind. It thinks of others. This is a word in Greek that's not in the whole Bible. Every, anywhere. Just this place here. Kind. Love is kind. It's kind. Christos is the word. It's pretty cool because it's pretty much like Christ. It's kindness. It's gentle. It's really, it's really gentle. All right, so love is patient. It is kind. Um, what else does it do? 
it rejoices with the truth. It rejoices with the truth. Verse 6, it doesn't rejoice about injustice, but rejoices, rejoices whenever the truth wins out. It rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Doesn't point fingers and say, said so. It rejoices when the truth wins out. When it rejoices, this, this idea of rejoicing is not just a lonely thing. This is with everyone else. This is exciting. You know, it's like, it's like the story of um, the shepherd looking for the lost sheep in Luke 15. Or the woman looking for the lost coin in Luke 15. Or the father looking for the lost son in Luke 15. When, when truth wins out, when the, when the coin gets found, the sheep gets found, the son comes home, they rejoice with a group of people. Like they're always like, oh, come together, let's celebrate. And, the, and they invite people over to celebrate. It's that exciting when truth wins out, when truth wins out. Okay, so that's another thing God uh, love, love does. It rejoices with the truth. What does it not do? Okay, this is a bit, bit hard, all right? But love is not jealous. It's, it, it's not envious. Uh, it's not boastful or proud. It doesn't have an ego. It doesn't want to be noticed. It actually wants to be a backstage crew member. No offense to the lead roles, but, you know, someone's got to do it. But Jesus served, sorry, Jesus led as a servant. And, and that's what we should do too. That, that it's, 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 um, it's not proud or boastful. It's also not rude. Love is not rude. Um, I don't know about how you guys grew up at home. Did you have any manners at home, like any, um, you know, rules? I'm seeing some nods. Like when I grew up at my home, you could not wear a hat inside. Like it was considered rude. Like you just committed some kind of really bad sin. If you wore a hat indoors, no. Nah. Also, another one was feet on the furniture. Anyone else have feet on the furniture as a rule against, yeah? Well, call out some of the, um, the rules at your home that were like, um, you know, if you did, if you broke them, you were considered rude. Feel free, McGill boys. Well, anyone? Huh? Elbows on the table. Yeah, it's rude, isn't it? What else is rude at your house? Anyone? Not asking before you had food. Not asking before you had food was rude. Oh, wow. Keeping the toilet seat up was rude. Yeah. Anyone else? No? No? Talking with your mouth full. Is that rude? What about chewing with your mouth open? Making those noises. Is that rude? Is it? Is putting up one finger rude? Or two fingers? You know, there's some things... I'm just trying to get you guys thinking about what's rude and what's not rude. Because ultimately, talking with your mouth open... Oh, sorry, talking with your mouth open. Please talk with your mouth open. Chewing with your mouth open. Nothing really wrong with it. Burping. Sometimes it's rude in some houses, right? But if I was to go to my parents' home... See, in my home, we can wear hats inside. We don't really care. Just put a hat on because at least you won't forget it if you're going outside. 
but we've got certain rules, right? But if, if I went to my home that I grew up in, I would walk through the front door and I would, if I was wearing a hat, I would try and remember to take off my hat, all right? And I would try and remember not to put my feet on the couch. Not because I think that it's wrong, I don't think there's anything wrong with wearing a hat inside or putting my feet up, but it's wrong for them. And love is not rude on purpose. Right, that's what he mean. That's what he means by that. It's not rude. It's not rude on purpose. All right. So there you go. It's not rude. Um, what else is it not? Um, it does not demand its own way. Love does not demand its own way. It is not my way or the highway. There might be another way. Let's think about that. Let's talk about that. Let's reason together. When it comes to God, there is only one way. But he allows us into the equation and he gets us to the point where we come to that ourselves. <laughs> it doesn't demand its own way. It's not irritable. It's not irritable. That means it's not. it doesn't tease. Love doesn't tease. It doesn't get under the skin of other people. Love is not uh, resentful. In other words, it uh, keeps no record of being wronged. No record. How many records? No records. No records of being wronged. Love does not rejoice about injustice but rejoices whenever the truth wins out some other things that love is is that uh, love does sorry love does verse 7 love never gives up love bears all things one other translation says love never gives up it protects in other words it never loses faith. Never. Is always hopeful. Always. Love endures through every circumstance. Always. Love. So what does love have to do with holiness? <laughs> well, basically, Jesus said, if you love one another as I have loved you, the world will see you're my disciples. And holiness is, if anything, it's being Christ-like, being Christ-like. It's, it's, it's being like Christ in our, in our neighbourhoods, in our families, at our workplaces. It's revealing Jesus to the world around us. Love is a verb. But Paul, Paul here, he tries to describe what love is. But I don't, I don't think he actually does. I don't think he he really describes fully what love is in these verses. I don't think the Bible does. I don't think the Bible explains enough for us to fully understand God's love. 
Turn with me to Ephesians and hopefully it qualifies my statement. <laughs> Otherwise you guys think I'm a heretic. <laughs> what, doesn't believe in the Bible? I believe in the Bible. <laughs> I love my Bible. I need my Bible. Uh, Paul, Paul writes to the Ephesians and he, and he writes a prayer that he, that he wants for them. And um, in, in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14, he says these things. He says, When I think of all this, I fall to my knees and pray to the Father, the creator of everything in heaven and on earth. I pray from his glorious unlimited resources, he will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. Then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. Your roots will grow down into God's love. There's that image of the plant. And keep you strong. And may you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high and how deep his love is. May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully. I believe that 1 Corinthians 13 is not the best description in your Bible of love. I believe Romans 5 verse 5 is the best description of love. It says this hope doesn't disappoint us because God has poured out his love in our hearts through his Holy Spirit. Love, we can't understand love. We can't understand God's love. We could read all the books we could possibly read about God's love and not experience it and miss the whole point. Like the Prime Minister, Scott Morrison. I could Google search Scott Morrison. In fact, you could probably do it now and go to Wikipedia or something and find out what his favourite chocolate was or what his wife's name was or what he got teased at at school about, you know, teased for at school. You can find out a lot about Scott Morrison but never meet the guy, right? And this is the same with, with, with love, with God's love. We can, we can hear sermon after sermon. We can read book after book. We can study the Greek and the Hebrew words for love and still not fully understand love. In fact, the Bible says we can't fully understand it until we experience it. He has poured out his love into your heart by his Holy Spirit. You can't fully understand it, but you can experience it. His love is something that you need to experience. And I want to challenge you all tonight. Have you experienced God's love poured out into your heart by his Holy Spirit? The Bible says that God is love, right? Not that love is God. You know, it's sad because we grow up in this world and we hear the word love and we're taught what love is, you know, and even in Christian families, can I say? And we, it's better in Christian families. But we, we grow up with this concept of love because or love so that or you deserve more love. Or, you know, even as Christians, I don't know, sometimes we can have this idea that God loves me more than he ever did 
because I follow him more. I don't know. But God's love never changes. Like his level of love, his the power of his love never changes. It's always constant. He's impartial with his love. Right now, God is loving you. Right now, God is loving the most evil person on the face of the planet. That's how great his love is. Right? And that messes with my head and my logic because that person who's the most evil person on the planet doesn't deserve love. But that's God's love. And he's poured out that love into our hearts by his Holy Spirit. I don't understand that, but I can experience that. And the world around you, like the people that you connect with, the, the people we're having lunch with to you know connect that might have met the Lord before and walked away from him or you know the people we work with or study with that don't know Jesus and, and they're watching you, they don't need to know and understand about God's love because of what you say. They need to experience his love too. You know, it's a love that we experience from him, but it's a love that the world needs to experience through us. That's why Jesus said, love one another as I have loved you. By this, all people will know that you're my disciples, if you love one another. It's, it's an overflow effect. You are not a lake for God's love to fill it's not for you. It's you're a doorway, you're you're a river for God's love to flow through to people. And it's a verb. There are actions. Love is patient. <laughs> you know the fruit of the spirit? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, whatever, right? I struggle with patience and self-control. But mainly patience. I've always struggled with patience. I've always been an impatient person especially behind the wheel of a car. But I'm a holy person too. I'm so holy. I'm so much more holy than a lot of people. Because I drive on the M1, you know, when you know when those flashing lights, they change the speed, you know, they change the speed limit for the roadworks and it says 40. Have you ever driven past one of them and you think, why on earth is it 40? Yeah? And like the holy Ian says, oh, I guess I should do... 40 then, so I slow down to 40. Meanwhile, the fellow behind me gets right close to my backside and then overtakes and he zooms past. And then the next one zooms past and I'm the only one doing 40. That's what it seems like anyway. And they're all going to hell, you know, doing 75 kilometers an hour, you know, not following God at all, you know. And so I'm doing 40 and I think I'm so much more holier than them. I'm really, I'm revealing the love of God to these people right now. And then eventually it gets to the point where the sign changes to 80. Like the, the surrounding around you, like there's no, there's no difference to the roadworks, but the sign changes. So therefore I can do 80 again. So I start doing 80. Meanwhile, the people that passed me before must have been doing 70 in a 40 zone because I catch up to them doing 70 and I can't overtake them because I want to do 80, they're doing 70. And so I get impatient because all that time I wasted doing 40 kilometers an hour. Is, is this, is anyone else like this? This is just me. I'm just struggling with patience. Anyway, there's the times where I say, Lord, please fill me with more patience. I need, I need more patience. Please, Lord, patience is what I need right now. 
And it's almost like God says to me, you don't need patience. You actually need love. Has anyone else ever prayed for kindness for a person? Or prayed, Lord, help me to be more forgiving to this person? Or, or Lord, help me to not be so ego-centred in this situation? Like, husbands, anyone? <laughs> help me to not be so ego-centred in this? And, and really, all you need to be praying for is not patience or kindness or that he would help you with being, you know, my way or the highway. All you need to be praying for is more love. God, fill me with more of your love. Fill me with more of your love because that's what these people need. That's what I need, more of your love because that's what's going to change me and it's what's going to change them. Something else I learned about love too, which I think I've got time, is that you can lose your first love. Um, Jesus wrote to the church in Ephesus. Actually, we looked at Ephesus just then about love. But in Revelation chapter 2, verse 4, um, turn with, the, with me there and we'll finish there. Can we finish there? Do you guys want to finish there? You want to finish now or keep going? All right. So he says, he writes to the church in Ephesus, right? This is Jesus writing. Uh, Revelation chapter 2, verse 1. Write this letter to the angel of the church in Ephesus, he's saying to John. This is the message from the one who holds the seven stars in his right hand, the one who walks among the seven gold lampstands. Translation, this is God, okay? Verse 2. He writes, I know all the things you do. I have seen your hard work and your patient endurance. I know you, you don't tolerate evil people. You have... Examine the claims of those who say they are apostles but are not. Sounds like a Wesleyan Methodist church. All right. Sounds really good. Positive. You have discovered they are liars. Awesome. You have patiently suffered for me without quitting. All right. This church, they have service, they serve, they sacrifice, and they suffer. And they stand out against evil. Like it's holiness, right? But he says to them, but I have this complaint against you. Now, when Jesus has a complaint, that's bad. And so what does he say is the complaint? He says, you don't love me or each other as you did at first. You have lost your first love. I don't know about you, um, but I remember my first love. I'm not talking about Sonia. <laughs> I'm talking about when I surrendered my heart to Jesus. I don't know, do you remember that time? Janelle, do you remember that time? Ryan, do you remember that time? Where you surrendered your heart to Jesus? Theo, do you remember that time? Do you remember that time, Rose? Do you remember that time, Julia? Dale? Do you remember that time where, where he poured his love, like his love, into your heart by his Holy Spirit? I remember taking um, some youth. Actually, I was talking to someone outside about the youth um, that Sonia and I led in Raymond Terrace in, New, in Newcastle uh, many years ago. And this was a youth group that about four or five kids went to the church and there was about 35 kids that didn't go to the church. And they all come on Friday nights and we just have a run amok. We just, and this was before all the rules started coming in. So, you know, you could really have fun. We had, we had night where 
it was like the gross out night. And so we had like little dead mice that you could buy from the pet store. And it was, a you know, the egg and spoon race. Instead, we used the little mice. And they had to put them on the spoons. And it was just, the, the boys loved it because they could show off in front of the girls. And there was other things like that. It was great fun. Maggots were involved. It was good fun. So Friday nights were like that. A lot of fun and a devotion just tucked in at the end. It was something from the Bible, right? Because these kids needed to hear something about God's love for them. And, it, and you know, this went on for ages. And then one one weekend, a an American, I can't remember who, who it was. It wasn't Louis Giglio, but it was someone like that came to Newcastle to run an event and speak, right? And so we took the kids in the, the church bus. We drove them into Newcastle and uh, we, we bought the seats. Uh, we were up like in the in the grandstand bit and um, we all sat down and the kids bought their bags and they left them on the seats and they went down to the bouncing pit. You know, where in front of the stage where all the young people go and they just, that's what they do. They bounce when the music plays and, you know, that's just, it's just fun. And so Sonia and I were up the back. I think we might have had one of the, one of Anna or Mike and maybe at that stage with us or one of the kids. And we were watching these kids just have lots of fun, right? And then the guy came up to share the gospel. And I'm talking the gospel, not Jesus loves you, give your life to him. He's going to fix every one of your problems, you know, like not, he was, he was like sin, God's judgment, his love, his forgiveness in Christ, the cross, the resurrection, the Holy Spirit. It's like the gospel. And he gave an altar call and we saw these kids, all of them, all of them went forward and they were crying. And they were handed Bibles. And by the way, did I tell you on the bus trip on the way, there was just like swearing and, oh my goodness, the disgusting, filthy language that was coming out of some of the girls' mouths. And on the way back, they had their Bibles and they're asking us questions and they're talking about, what does this mean when he said this and this and this? And we're explaining the gospel. And we saw these kids give their hearts to Jesus. Facebook is a wonderful thing because we've been able to connect with some of them, but most of them just wandered away. Just wandered away. But we saw the first love. We saw them respond to the gospel and God working in their heart, and we heard it in the bus. But after, you know, year after year, and just slowly but surely they miss, they just walked away. And it's possible to do that, isn't it? I'm talking to some Christians tonight. You know, you've been in ministry maybe for a long time. You've, you've done the church thing. You've, you've done ministry. You've seen it happen. Um, but, you know, like this church, you've suffered, you've served, you've sacrificed. But the love, the love, maybe Jesus is saying to us, maybe he's saying to me, you've lost your first love. That's all right. It's not fully lost. There's an answer. And it's in verse 5. Jesus says, this is how you fix it. Look how far you have fallen. Turn back to me and do the works you did at first. In other words, repent. Look from where you've fallen. Check out how, how you used to be before me and just repent and just thank me. And, and that's it. That's it. Following Jesus is really simple. It's just him and you and, and you knowing your need of him and him saying, that's all right, I accept you. I've, I've dealt with that already on the cross, don't you remember? And then you guys shaking hands together and saying, deal. And then walking on from there, hand in hand. That's it. That's a Christian life. 
walking with Jesus hand in hand because of his love for us. And this church, Ephesus, 30 years before, they were commended for their love. Paul wrote to them and said, I have heard about your love, but 30 years have gone by and they've lost their love. That's the only thing Jesus had against them. It's possible to lose it, isn't it? But you're able to get it back again. It's not yours anyway, it's his. So God's love. God's love poured out into your heart is is holiness. His Holy Spirit in your heart poured out, you surrendering to him, following Jesus in the power of his Holy Spirit, overflowing that love to the people around us. So if you're struggling this week with um, some of the things that love is not, just ask God for love, more love. Don't say, Lord, I'm, I'm so sorry I'm this or this or this. Say, Lord, thank you so much for your love. Please fill me with your love for this person or this situation and let him do his work. Let's pray. God, we just thank you so much, Father God, for your love for us. We thank you, Lord, that you revealed your love for us in the person of Jesus. Your love is not just print. It's a person. And he has shown us exactly what your love looks like, what it does, and how it affects the people around him, around us. So, Lord, we need your love. We need your love to fill our hearts afresh. Fill our hearts. Holy Spirit, we invite you to have your way in our hearts tonight. Search us. Search us, Lord, and have your way. And help us, Lord God, to reveal your love to the people we face this week. Lord, bring them on. Bring them on. These people need to know that you love them so much that you gave your one and only son. And Lord, help us to remember that we can't go away from you too far. Your love is always, always there at hand. Help us to turn to you, God, and and know your love and receive your love for us. There's no sin that can separate us from your love. There's nothing in all of creation that can separate us from your love that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. And there's no condemnation for anyone who is in Christ Jesus. Lord, help us to reveal that love to the world around us, God, so that they too can experience your love as we have. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.